Hey, this is Dr. Eric, and I just want to let you know about my gut healing bundle for those with thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions. This includes SMT Probio, which is a probiotic with 18 well-researched strains, Enzymes Plus, which not only includes digestive enzymes, but betaine, HCL, and ox bile, and SMT GI Restore, which is a stevia-free formulation that has multiple nutrients and herbs that have been proven to help support the healing of the gut. To learn more about this, you can visit guthealingbundle.com. Thank you for joining me on the Save My Thyroid podcast, where I help people save their thyroid and regain their health. My name is Dr. Eric Osansky, and if you have hyperthyroidism, then you will especially benefit from these episodes. If you have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's thyroiditis, you will also find many of the episodes to be valuable, including this one where I interview Reed Davis as we chatted about functional lab testing. It took a few minutes until Reed dove into the lab testing, but once he did, it was nonstop and packed with great information. As usual, make sure you listen to the post-episode chat after the outro music as I'll expand on saliva and dried urine testing, secretory IgA, and mediator release testing. Anyway, here is my interview with Reed. Welcome to the Save My Thyroid podcast, hosted by Dr. Eric Osansky. To stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics, visit SaveMyThyroid.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now let's head to the show. All right, so I'm excited to chat with Reed Davis about functional lab testing and why we should go beyond the blood test. So Reed is a board-certified holistic health practitioner and certified nutritional therapist. He is an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. Reed is the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition and the FDN certification course with over 4,000 graduates in 50 countries. Reed served as the health director at a wellness center in Southern California for over 10 years. And with over 10,000 clients, he is known as one of the most experienced clinicians in his field. Reed serves on the advisory board of the American Natural Wellness Coaches Board and the American Association of Natural Wellness Coaches. And thank you so much for joining us, Reed. Hey, thanks, Dr. Eric. Real pleasure to be here with you and your audience. I hope we can help them out a little bit with something. Yeah, I'm sure we will. And why don't we dive a little bit into your background? How did you develop the FTN program, the FTN certification course? Yeah, sure. So I worked in a clinic for 10 years, as you mentioned in the brief bio. And my job there was to look at lab work on people and figure out what's really wrong with them. That's why I started working there. I actually had been in environmental law, saving the whole planet. And I, I decided to work with people. I just said, hey, the planet's getting worse and worse. And Saving the planet's great, air, birds, water, trees, bees. But what about people, including me? You know, I was getting older and I thought, I'm perfectly healthy. I've never really been to a doctor except for sports injuries. But what about people and what about me? I don't want something sneaking up on me. And when I went there, I'm sure your listeners would identify with this. I started triage, you know, everyone that came in the door, I started interviewing them. And it was amazing the number of people who had been to several practitioners and we're better yet. And I thought, 
to myself, wow, what a ripoff. <laughs> what do you mean you've been to eight people, 10 people, more? And spent a lot of money trying to figure out what's really wrong. And some doctors had told them there's nothing wrong with you. Everything looks normal on your lab work, which I questioned. But it was really remarkable how they were all, with different health problems, caught in a cycle of trial and error. It wasn't one demographic. I mean, most were in pain. And then you find out, well, what else is going on? And they got hormone problems and their immune system shot. Their digestion isn't working and their detoxification systems aren't working and on and on. Again, I came from another field. I didn't have medical training and I had a lot to learn, but I had nothing to unlearn. I had a very open mind to what was going on, what was really going on, if I could figure it out. I started running lab work. By the thousands, you know, like I, over 10 years, I ran thousands of labs on thousands of people. And I had great mentorship from the labs and from some doctors, but I also made my own observations. And so that's what started FDN. It just grew out of that practice. I developed a system of investigation, looking for causal factors upstream. You know, I never wanted to diagnose or treat anything. Wasn't licensed to do that had no interest in that because people already were doing that, you know. Again, I thought they'd been getting kind of ripped off. I also wondered why they were putting their health in someone else's hands instead of taking charge themselves, you know, as I'd always tried to do for myself. Again, I hadn't been to a doctor or anything chronic or downward spiraling or degenerative or anything like that, just some injuries. So I didn't know what the health system was like. I found out through these poor people. And one day I was just out riding my motorcycle and I thought, you know what, I'm going to be the last damn person that these people need to see, which was naive. And I, again, I had a lot to learn, but nothing to unlearn. I was just open to the data and I became an expert in the data that you can collect from these alternative labs saliva, urine, bloodstool, not your CBC chem panel that physicians say, oh, nothing's wrong with you. Well, people know something's wrong. So they go down the street and then they try a bunch of stuff. Some of it might be helpful. Some of it's not helpful at all. Again, just kind of that ripoff thing. And so 10 years later, I find myself teaching the system I created, the system of investigation into the healing causal factors the healing opportunities, and then, of course, our protocols, which are known around the world now, the DRESS, D-R-E-S-S protocol, diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation, well-known and practiced, and you've hired one of our graduates, so you know what it's all about. Yeah, and, and speaking of acronyms, can you jump into the hidden stressors? I did my research, as I usually do before these interviews, and I watched your videos talking about the acronym HIDDEN. And so, yeah, if you could talk about that. Well, again, I started mostly just testing women's hormones because one of the ways I promoted the business, again, I was in a wellness center. There's some practitioners in there, and I was really the lead marketer in the beginning before I became practitioner. I went to school. I did the nutrition classes and the, all the other things I did. But so I was out there getting business through bone density testing. I would go out in the world, different locations. I had a whole route. And every couple of months, I'd be back to that location. And so bones and hormones, really important, right? So I tested hundreds and hundreds of women in the beginning just for hormones only. 
and I could help them and do some balancing. I wasn't ever prescribing, but hey, you got to balance your hormones. You got to reduce stress. And then guess what? I ended up having to test them for other things. Their digestion, they really were eating well, a lot of them, but had poor digestion and on and on. So I came up finally with this, it took me a while, but H-I-D-D-E-N, hormones, immune system, digestion, detoxification, energy production, and nervous system. And there's a way to assess each one of those areas in a person. And when you do, you're going to find healing opportunities, things that need to be fixed, so to say, speak, and things they can do themselves to do the fixing. So the H-I-D-D-E-N, a lot of people aren't even looking in these areas in the same way that I or any of my practitioners would do. Again, not wanting to diagnose and treat anything specifically, but looking for the hidden imbalances and dysfunction. And a lot of it's really far upstream. It's kind of hard to find some of it, but we figured out a way. And now we do the hidden stressors and dysfunctions on every person. Doesn't matter what your really main complaint is. These are the areas that have to be looked into to correct chronic stress-related downward spiraling conditions which is what people suffer from today. Everything from Hashimoto's to irritable bowel to foggy thinking, you know, just chronic fatigue, whatever. You know, so it's really remarkable that assessment and the number of opportunities for healing you will find in those areas. Again, I call it the entire constellation of healing opportunities. And it just works. When you look there and explain it to a person, teach them, then guess what? They're going to understand. They're going to really appreciate the information. It's it's really intelligence gathering. And then they're much more likely to follow your recommendations for, again, the lifestyle medicine. Yeah, definitely agree. You know, I like testing, trying to find the answers. What are some of the concerns with just addressing symptoms? Like if someone was having digestive symptoms, you know, instead of doing a test, just taking some supplements, you know, assuming they have parasites or assuming they have SIBO, or same thing with adrenals. Some people might say, well, I know I'm stressed out, so why should I do testing? What are some of the concerns with taking that approach of not doing the testing and just jumping into the treatment? Yeah, the main concern is that you're not really addressing the causal factors and your problem is just going to get worse. And so I need to back up a bit and say, hey, there's nothing wrong with getting relief care. If you've got migraines or if you've got debilitating hot flashes and night sweats and all this stuff. There's nothing wrong with getting some relief. And doctors are great at that. They've got all kinds of lotions, potions, powders, and pills. And so do alternative practitioners. They're, they're really big on their supplements and modalities and, and things that will get you out of pain, suffering. So that's okay. But if you only address that level, then you're not working at the causal level. So we look upstream. And, you know, I pretty much have given up on this term root cause. So having said that, oh, you look for the root cause. Yeah, we look, but there isn't enough tests. There certainly is no one test, but there's enough tests out there that you can get close enough to the root cause to have an effect on it. And especially when you use the multiple causal factor, that constellation of healing opportunities. And realize this, causal factors, no matter how far upstream they are, no matter how hard they are to find, are also having an effect upon each other. And a lot of that's not singly measurable. So you've got, again, hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy production, nervous system imbalances, all these 
causal factors and having an effect upon each other. So how are you going to figure out the one that really is causing, let's say, thyroiditis? It's almost impossible. And that's why I call it metabolic chaos. I gave up a root cause. You know, we look and then what we find is metabolic chaos. So let's just call it that. And the only way to really fix things is to treat every cell, tissue, organ, and system at once. Have it, do something. That person has to live. And again, lifestyle medicine is about living yourself out of the problems you lived yourself into. So it's really a nonspecific treatment, but it works on every cell, tissue, and organ there is. So it's a very interesting non-medical way for people to handle their problems. So I would start with that. You know, it's okay to treat the symptoms, but if you stop there, you're probably going to need more of the same medicine. So like thyroid is a good example. I know you're an authority on that. You deal mostly with the hyperthyroid, which is a more difficult and often autoimmune condition. And there's a lot of factors going on. The more common thyroid problem is just hypothyroidism. And it's really, there might be absolutely nothing wrong with the thyroid. But if you go in with a certain set of complaints, by the way, this is where I like to explain the, the sounds like method. You know, you, you named it the sounds like method. You mentioned this approach anyway. So you go into a practitioner and you go, eh, you know, I'm tired, fatigued, I'm a little overweight, I can't seem to lose it. Sometimes I'm sad and I'm constipated and my extremities are often cold or even numb and my hair is thinning. Well, that sounds like thyroid. So the typical practitioner would check the thyroid and go, yep. I always tell them, don't break your wrist patting yourself on the back real hard because all you found was one thing that's hypoactive. It's not producing enough of the right thyroid hormone, and you can replace that. That's going to get that person some symptom relief. They may have a little less hair thinning or cold or numb extremities and constipation along with some others. It might clear up a little bit, but it really isn't addressing why the thyroid is underactive, which Dr. Eric, I hope you'll agree with me, is very often a natural adaptive response to stress. So if you're under a lot of stress from a lot of different angles, mental, emotional, physical aches and pains, chemical, biochemical stressors, there's lots of different types of stress out there that would put you into kind of hibernation. Your body's going to go, whoa, hey, we better not use up all our resources. So let's slow metabolism down. And so the hypothyroid is an adaptive in some cases, in many cases. I'd even manage to say most of the cases that we've seen where there actually is less thyroid hormone. Do you really just want to replace it or do you want to find out why? What are all the stressors involved that's causing your body to shut down like that? And so, again, I hope you agree. Yeah, no, I definitely agree that stress is a big factor. And then you mentioned digestion and, you know, most of these conditions, both hypo and hyperthyroidism, most of them are autoimmune and most of the immune system cells are in the gut. So you need to have a healthy gut, healthy digestion in order to have a healthy immune system. So I agree, it would be crazy to do what most medical doctors do and just give thyroid hormone replacements if the thyroid hormone is low. And, you know, similar with hyperthyroidism, with Graves or even non-autoimmune hyperthyroidism, just to say, okay, let's give you antithyroid medication, which blocks the thyroid hormone. You want to find out 
the underlying cause, whether, you know, it's stress, which like you said, is a big factor or some of the other factors, other imbalances that you mentioned, imbalances in the nervous system. So again, there's a lot of different things to consider. And unfortunately, most conventional medicine ignores that and just puts a Band-Aid on the problem pretty much. I knew we were like-minded enough because you had me on the show. You got me on here. So we're probably very much like-minded in our approaches too, you know, but mine is not a medical approach. You being licensed have other options that I don't have and never had. So working in the office there, you can't write a prescription. And the labs that the physicians had already run on these people weren't revealing much data that was useful. And so that's why we got into the alternative labs, the saliva, the urine, the stool, dried urine, finger stick tests for this and that, and even hair tissue. I don't have much hair to get any samples from, but you know, like you use your goatee hair, you could use that. <laughs> yeah, you can do facial hair is okay because it it's gonna tell you something. And each one of these types of testing gives us a data point. And then our job isn't to diagnose or go, oh, let's change the numbers on the paper. It's get the person to do something that changes the number. Numbers on the paper aren't the problem. They're the result of the problem. Same thing with symptoms, which I don't know if I finished, you know, we fully discussed that, chasing symptoms. Again, it's never bad to try to get out of pain. I totally understand. And your other things that are going on. But you can't stop there. The thyroid was a good example of why we don't stop there. The reason we don't chase symptoms because we know they're the result of the real problem. Just like the lab work. Look, I'm a guy that teaches a course in lab work. Yet I'm saying that lab work, those numbers aren't the problem. They're just a result of your genetics and how you've lived, the signals going to the genes, which is called epigenetics. That's really where our program, the DRESS program, D-R-E-S-S, is an epigenetic program. It's a lifestyle and environment-based program. Yeah, so... I'd like to discuss some of the different tests that you commonly recommend. So like, for example, with adrenals, you mentioned saliva testing. So is that what you use to evaluate adrenals? Or do you like dried urine testing? Because now there's the Dutch test. There's all kinds of tests. The adrenal part of the Dutch test is saliva. So it's a combination. The urine part of that test is more about the sex hormones or their metabolites. And so that's a good test. The one we're using has been specially developed for us now that we've been doing this 23 years. And I have a lot of students and a lot of graduates doing this. So I kind of have some ability to maneuver in the lab space. I know a lot about labs. And we're using the circadian rhythm along with the cortisol to DHA ratio and the sex hormones. And we've added to that saliva test melatonin because that's a finger pointing some healing opportunities especially if it's low when it should be high, or if it's high when it's supposed to be low, it's really important. And also secretory IgA. So we get a window into the immune system all from a saliva test. So it's the cortisol and DHEA or your catabolic and your anabolic hormones. You want to have balance. You don't want to be too catabolic. You don't want to be too anabolic. They need to be in balance, cortisol and DHEA. So the same test also gives us cortisol morning, noon, and afternoon, and nighttime. So we can check out the circadian rhythm. We see a lot of uh, roller coaster. 
And it explains why people feel like they're on a roller coaster. Their hormones are following right along with that. And again, we always look at the sex hormones, same thing. These are the bioavailable levels. This is why I like the saliva. There's only very small amounts of hormones in your saliva. So it has to be a really, really good test. These tests are very advanced now after decades and decades of working, trying to get accuracy, specificity and sensitivity is, is critical. So you don't have a lot of hormones in your saliva, but what shows up is the bioavailable levels. Those are the levels that are actually working for you in your body. Through urine, you're looking at metabolites, and it may not be exactly 100% representative, or you know, it's a good guesstimate, I guess, but it's not the bioavailable level. It's gone through all those metabolic processes and being excreted in the urine. So Anyway, so it's also very time-specific. You can't get time specificity with urine. It's an average of the last several hours. So we want to know, well, what is my cortisol in the morning? What is it four hours later at noon, then afternoon, then nighttime, or middle of the night? So it's really important to have time specificity. Again, the sensitivity and specificity of these tests are proven to be very, very high. There's over 300 white papers written on saliva testing now, when I first started, there was only a couple that we could refer to. It was considered kind of alternative, quackery, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. You know, but anyway, it's come a long ways. And with the melatonin, adding that at noon, melatonin should be very low at noon. It's the middle of the day. Why would you have high melatonin? Only if something's wrong would you have high, and we could sort of explore that. And then secretory IgA is a main indicator of how well your immune system is it should be hovering. Secretory IgA is the main component of the mucosal barrier in the gut that protects you from everything. And the gut is mostly of your immune system. So secretory IgA is huge and it should be hovering all the time, just waiting for anything bad to come along that it can, you know, kill or at least sequester and be excreted from the body. You don't want that stuff getting inside you. So you have this mucosal barrier, and that's on the same test. So with one morning sample saliva, you get that CIGA, you get the melatonin at noon, you get the circadian rhythm throughout the day, you get the sex hormones, including progesterone and estrogen and testosterone, the main ones. You can look at others if you want to. We don't bother much with some of the metabolites. But anyway, that's a hell of a test. Great place to start. You can see how stressed out someone is, whether they're catabolic or too anabolic, that could be. It's just a way the body adapts. And you could do a lot with that data to correct someone's behavior. First of all, just show them. And oh, by the way, if they went to a physician, we're told nothing's wrong with you. You can look at this test results and go, wow, look at all this stuff that's off a little bit that you can improve versus nothing's wrong with you. Hey, this is Dr. Eric, and if you're looking to do everything you can to save your thyroid gland, in addition to listening to this podcast, there are a few different ways we can help you. First of all, I've written a book on hyperthyroidism called Natural Treatment Solutions for Hyperthyroidism and Graves' Disease, as well as a book called Hashimoto's Triggers, which of course is on Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and you can find both of these on Amazon, as well as other websites where books are sold. Second, you could also join my Graves' Disease and Hashimoto's Healing Community by visiting AutoimmuneThyroidGroup.com. And finally, if you want to get personal help from me, you could visit the website WorkWithDrEric.com. 
Just to let you know, I only see a limited number of new patients each month, and I do require anyone interested to complete a brief online application before working with me. And now back to the show. Do you recommend for cycling women? I know some saliva panels, I'm not sure if the one you're mentioning does this, but some of them, like women who are cycling, can collect samples every few days of their cycle. This way, they're not just looking at a single sample. Of course, yeah. In certain cases, you like fertility cases, or if women are having extreme difficulty as they cycle with headaches or pain or cramping, all these sort of symptoms that occur on a cyclical basis. Yeah, you could map out the entire cycle. You have to take a saliva sample. You could do it every other day. You could do it every three days. It just Sometimes it's just a matter of convenience and expense that you would do a little less testing. But we have panels that cover the entire cycle. And it's really interesting to look at the numbers and go, wow, look, you're not even ovulating find 35-year-olds that are under so much stress, they're not even ovulating. You can just tell by the hormones, like nothing's happening here. You don't have enough estrogen to ripen an egg to be released. And then the progesterone may or may not be kicking in at the right time. So it's very interesting to map out cycles. Otherwise, with postmenopausal, we just, you can take it any day. Just take it just one time is all, you know, all we need. And for the stress part of that, for women who are still cycling, we would just do it in the mid-cycle. That way we get a window into whether your estrogen and progesterone are at the right levels at that time when they should be the highest. So there's a matter of timing with some of these saliva tests, which is another indicator that you're getting real usable information because it's very time-specific and time-of-the-month-specific. I mean, how much better can you get? That is true. That is very true. Yeah, and you could obviously collect the saliva sample on every day, you know, like any day, the convenience of your home. You don't have to worry about going to a lab. And sometimes the timing, timing the lab on during a certain day of your cycle, you know, if you were going to do it through a blood test, but again, much more convenient doing it through saliva. So I'm glad you mentioned secretory IgA. So that part of your, the hidden acronym, the I stands for immune are there other markers besides secretory IgA that you look at, or is that the main one when it comes to the immune system? It's the main one, but we're looking at other markers that can indicate there's issues going on. Obviously, the stool testing for pathogens and microbiome imbalances and things like that, your microbiome is also a part of your immune system. You know, it defends the good bacteria versus bad bacteria, so it's there for a reason. And that can get way out of balance. So I think that's one of the other main areas I would look to would be the microbiome. And is it very diverse? You want a very diverse, talk about diversity. (laughs) You want it in your gut. You got to eat lots of different foods. You know, some people, they only eat 10 different foods and their microbiome gets overpopulated with their commensal. They're not unfriendly, but there's just not enough diversity there. And that's a big part of the immune system. And then physicians run tests too, immunoglobulins and things. So there's other tests that we would look at. You can look at the secretory IgA. You can look at IgM, IgE, IgD, others. You know, there's lots of immunoglobulins. And then overall, immunoglobulin is a good test. You can look at white blood cells and 
things. So there's other tests, but for your standard FDN practitioner, they're going to use Secretory IgA, should be hovering, shouldn't be too high. If it's too high, you probably have some infection or acute. If it's too low, maybe you had the infection so long, you stop producing, you end up with this chronicity of low CIGA, especially in stressed out people. Everyone kind of knows that if you're all stressed out, you're more likely to catch even just a common cold or something. So when you get stressed out is when you get sick, right? Well, it's because your immune system goes down. So what comprehensive stool testing do you recommend for, let's say, like everyone with at least with a chronic health condition, you know, everyone with Hashimoto's graves, do you at least teach the FDNs where they should order a comprehensive stool test for everyone or does it depend on the person? We automatically run them on everybody, every client because every client has something usually that's healable or needs balancing in that area. So I got tired of doing piecemeal testing 20 years ago. You know, I was running, as I said, my first thing was I brought a lot of new patients in the office by going out into the community. I was lecturing. I was doing bone density testing all over the place. I had a portable DEXA machine. And I started kind of, if you want to say it, selling hormone test kits because women with bone problems need to check the hormones. But it led into this whole system. And... Otherwise, when I had a client in the beginning, I would start with the stress and hormone panel that we just talked a lot about and another one called the metabolic wellness panel that looked at digestion and detoxification and oxidative stress. And those two were kind of foundational. So I'd run those and then I'd say, well, you know, we need to check for mucosal barrier or pathology, bug test and food sensitivities. And Sometimes it would stretch a person out for two or three months, you know, by the time you got all the labs done, maybe even longer. And I finally just had clients going, why didn't you just run all these tests at once? You could have fixed me a long time ago. If Not that I'm doing any of the fixing, but you get what I'm saying. So I just made that my policy because everyone needs to do it. I mean, you're just going to see this downward spiral is very observable. By going through the labs, you could see this downward spiral. So you might as well just do them all up front. And that's now my policy. And that's what I teach in my course. You don't have to, but it's the best way. What is the metabolic wellness panel? So right now, now this is another thing that we've over the years had to work with labs to change. I mean, labs come and go in and out of business. They change operations. Science itself changes. So we've now got our metabolic wellness panel. It's a dried urine, which is very convenient. We can ship that all over the world and you know send out kits. You collect urine and put it on these blotters and let them dry, and then you can send them in, and it's cheap. And so right now we're looking at indican, which you know is an old test for dysbiosis and leaky gut, and by the way, it tells you that you're not breaking down protein very well. And if you're not breaking down protein very well, because you don't have enough the good bacteria that breaks it down. Remember, all this bacteria is not just sitting there for no reason. It's part of your immune system. It's part of the digestive processes and on and on. And so that's indicant. So measures bacterial breakdown of protein. If it isn't working very well, you're in a dysbiotic condition. You don't have enough of the good versus bad. So you're already dysbiotic. That could, depending on one's presentation or symptoms, it could just... Right there, point the finger at 
leaky gut, we'd want to test further, but there's that. And if you're not breaking down your proteins, guess what? Amino acids are really important. You know, that's what protein in a sense is amino acids and they break down into neurotransmitters. We find people with all kinds of mood disorders and they're just simply not digesting food very well. It's amazing how much food dictates health and all kinds of things people present with. If you're malnourished because you have dysbiosis, you can fix that easily. Take total control over that. So indicin is one marker on the metabolic wellness panel. Another is oxidative stress. Right now, we're using the uh, 8-OHTG, 8-hydroxydeoxyguanosine. So that's a great measurement for breakdown of material inside cells. You know, there's always oxidative balance. You have pro-oxidation, anti-oxidation, and inside a cell, it's very important to have good balance there. And if you're over-oxidative, you have too much oxidative stress, your cells won't even work right. They can't respirate properly and they can't do the job. The DNA can get damaged and that can lead to real serious problems, mutations, even things like cancer. So one test, simple urine, you're looking at oxidative stress. By the way, we used to do lipid peroxides. I could talk about oxidative stress on the membrane of the cells as well as everything else. And another marker on that test is urinary bile acids because they indicate congestion of the liver. So, you know, physicians look at liver too. They'll look at certain markers that they would observe if they were elevated for a few months because it might go up and down. They would check for disease. You got hepatitis or some disease. Well, our test is more sensitive. It's more subtle. It's much more of a sort of an anti-aging, just detoxification marker. Your liver's not, let's say, filtering as well as it should. And so when it's like that, it's full of antigens and immune complexes and sort of dirt and weeds <laughs> because of leaky gut and things like that. It'll spill excessive bile acids into the bloodstream, which can be picked up in the urine. You know, it's a kidneys filtered out and excrete it in the urine. So bile acids in the urine, there's always a normal amount, but it shouldn't be a high amount. And if there is, we've seen liver detoxification programs do miracles for those people. So, you know, again, it's not diagnosing anything. It's saying, hey, look, your liver looks a little congested. Every one of your listeners probably, well, hopefully they're of an age that remembers bags inside vacuum cleaners. And so a lot of people don't today. But you know when your vacuum isn't working well, you change the bag and it works like a brand new vacuum cleaner. And that's kind of how uh, the liver is supposed to work, like a brand new filter. And then food sensitivity testing, What do you, do you use IgG food sensitivity testing? So the mediated release test is not IgE or IgG or any other immunoglobulin. It's a measurement of the release of mediators. So it's uh, coming white blood cells, basically, leukocytes and granulocytes and prostaglandins and things are going to affect the actual, they create volumetric changes in the little blood vials, tiny little. From one blood draw, you can test it. Now it's going up to 176 foods. No one eats that many foods. But it'll show up, whether you ate the food or not, that you're sensitive to it. So don't eat it. It's actually creating inflammation. That's what's happening. So it's the Oxford Biomedical Mediator Release Test, or MRT. And then you can follow a diet that's less inflammatory. And people get better. And I've seen that one test. Looking backwards, I couldn't imagine not running that test on someone, Eric, because 
miracles have occurred. To the degree that those foods are contributing to metabolic chaos is the degree to which you're probably going to improve by getting rid of those foods. So for diet, you know, we use metabolic typing system, but we also do food elimination and we test. We don't guess. And you'd be amazed at what foods you might. Matter of fact, I have right here taped to my computer the little list. This is the foods that I'm sensitive to, and it's normally color-coded. I just printed in black and white. It gives you a list of foods to avoid and food additives and other things that are in your diet because it's an oral intolerance test, actually. But it also gives you the good list. Out of 176 foods we're testing for now, there's going to be a whole lot that you aren't reactive at all to. So that's your shopping list. So it gives, you know, instead of just telling people what not to eat, you're giving them a shopping list of things you can eat. Delicious, great food. Hey, have you tried this lately? No, don't eat that. You'd be amazed how many foods you can click that you never eat that are on the good food list. It's remarkable. So my wife and I, we spend time every week and during the week doing food preparation. We grow our own vegetables. We order our meats online and we have other groceries and items delivered. But you can really get good at your food selection, especially when you've run the test. Again, I got my most recent little bad list right here and everyone needs it because if you have a health problem, those foods could be contributing to it. They may not contribute that much, in which case that test didn't help you that much. But again, looking backwards, I've had people just have miraculous results. So looking forward, can't tell who's going to help the most. Looking backwards, would never have gotten anywhere close to the results we got without running that test. So that's another test that you recommend for everyone to get. Obviously, it's up to the person whether or not they want to get it, but that's something you would tell everybody. If they want to work with us, sorry to cut you off there, but no, this is our program. This is how it works. And if going to work with me, I'm going to need intelligence. I need to gather some intelligence on you. You want to tell me the same story you told the last practitioner who guessed what your problem is oh it sounds like this and maybe run one no we're going to run our five labs the stress and hormone panel saliva the metabolic wellness panel we just went over three markers on that we're going to add uric acid to that test then the mucosal barrier assessment we look at zonulin family of peptides and also histamine and diamine oxidase and we get the histamine to diamine oxidase ratio that's very important it's a measurement of gut health really important one. So that's three tests. And those three alone would tell you a lot, tell you a lot about a person. And it would give you all these healing opportunities. Their hormones are out of balance. Their immune system's over or underactive. Their digestion isn't working. Detoxification, oxidative stress. You got all these healing opportunities, areas to improve, but you're not done. So you want to do those so you have an assessment of a person. You might as well just run the stool test for microbiome and pathology because it's involved and there are some functional markers on that test as well and then the food sensitivities test how could i not run that i had a lady quickly and if you listen to some of my podcast recordings i tell this story a lot because it's everyone identifies with this poor lady who's coming in the office and she was getting chiropractic she's on about her eighth visit and you know i'm triaging i'm walking her back to the office and i say hey what's wrong she's obviously not herself oh reed i'm so upset there's 40 pounds that i'm carrying around 
extra. I've gained it in the last two years because I'm on medication for the hives and I can't stop taking the medication. And before I can get any words out, she was like, and you know, Reed, I went to the doctor just the other day for a checkup and I told him how frustrating this 40 pounds is. And according to her, the doctor said, well, you can be fat or you can have the hives. Take your pick. And she said, well, that's really depressing. And the physician said, well, I'll be happy to write your prescription for antidepressants if you want. And so I knew then why she looked so sad. And she's kind of just staring at the ground and said, well, did you ever try to find out why you get the hives? <laughs> Seems a logical thing to me and you. And her head snapped around so hard, I thought she wouldn't need her chiropractic that day. What? What do you mean? So moving forward, obviously ran a test or two couple of tests, got her off some foods she was sensitive to, and it only took nine days to quit her medication. She didn't need it anymore because she found what was causing the hives. And within another couple of weeks, she was working out to a sweat, taking hot showers, things she hadn't done in two years because even on the meds, she couldn't work out to a sweat or take hot showers. So you talk about life changing. A couple of weeks after that, she told me she already lost 13 pounds of her 40 so that would never have happened without running a food sensitivity test. So make sure everyone – kids with ADD, I had a principal call me. They tracked me down through the mom, and he said, this kid is so different. You know, he was poking the other kids, not paying attention, failing. By the way, he was only nine years old and got him turned around. Model student, smart kid. The principal tracked me down and said, what would you put him on? <laughs> So, well, we put him on a diet that works for him and a better sleep schedule and a couple of things. But yeah, there's no magic pill. That was just doing the right testing. And I can go on and on. I got just countless stories like that. So looking backwards, that's looking backwards. Boy, did it help. Can't imagine not running that test. Looking forward, I can't really tell because I don't know. You're going to have some sensitivities. But to what degree are they creating that metabolic chaos or contributing to that metabolic chaos that is resulting in your specific symptoms? I can't tell that. So we just run the test. Do you know Elizabeth Yarnell? Yeah, the name's really familiar. Why do I know her? She's also part of Mindshare, but she's really big into the mediator release testing. And, you know, I interviewed her on my podcast last year. Actually, it might have been 2021, but. Anyway, so she was part of my podcast and she's big into the mediator release testing. And I heard of it before I chatted with her, but she really convinced me to finally set up an account and start doing it. And honestly, I can't say I've been doing it regularly, but I interviewed her again recently because she's coming out with a new book. And even though I interviewed her before you, your interview on the podcast will actually be coming out before hers. So people listening to this won't be able to listen to her second interview until after listening to yours. But point is, between speaking with her, you know, a couple of times and then speaking with you and, you know, I've had a few other practitioners who I think Cynthia Thurlow, I think she does mediator release testing. I spoke with Dr. Anshul Gupta. I know he recommends. So again, there's a lot more practitioners than I realized, you know, this time last year, I was, you know, a little bit familiar with it, but now it makes me realize I probably should be recommending it. But the reason why I've been hesitant is just because for years, as you know, IgG testing is a lot more common. And I just didn't find that to be as accurate. And 
I always question, I don't want to recommend a test just for the sake of recommending it, but obviously I want to find answers. And so just by speaking with Elizabeth and now speaking with you and chatting with a few other practitioners, you know, it's something I probably need to be a little bit more stern about as far as just saying, you know, this is really a test that's going to benefit you. Well, that may benefit you, you know, and we have to be realistic about that. You don't know the degree to which these reactive foods are contributing to the chaos that's resulting in the symptoms. With IgG, I find it's less common. In other words, the IgG reactions just aren't as involved in the chaos that's producing the symptoms, not to the same degree as the MRT. And I've run them both, and I've run them both on the same people over the years, especially with kids. Sometimes you just want to remove every food that's possibly reactive in creating the symptoms because kids can't think, you know, they just don't have an experience. They got nothing to go on. They might think that not paying attention and poking your friends and outbursts are normal, you know, and they don't know why you're yelling at them. You know, I'm sending them out in the hallway. I used to get sent out in the hallway a lot. Kind of proud of that now. (laughs) And the janitor would come along and say, what are you doing out here again? (laughs) Anyway, leave that for another conversation. But man, yeah, these food sensitivity tests, top of the line is the MRT. And I know Cynthia real well and Gupta real well. And I just looked up Yarnell and I do recognize her picture from Mindshare for sure. Yeah. So good people doing good work. That's what it's all about. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so much. You shared a lot of great information. Anything else? I want to respect your time, but is there anything else you'd like to share? Anything else I should have asked that I didn't ask you? I've always got time for you, Dr. Eric, and to help people is what I do. I get up every day joyful because I do have a career like this and a job if you want. It means if you love your work, it's, it's not work. And that's kind of where I would end. With, I always like to say the science is great, gathering intelligence, you know, through lab work, saliva, urine, blood, stool, hair, whatever it is, is all great. And it, it can lead to magnificent, miraculous outcomes for the people. And that's who we're here for. Remember, we want to put control back in the hands of the people. And it starts with that getting up in the morning, I think. A lot of our job is to uncover obstacles to healing. The body wants to be fully functional. Every cell knows its job. You don't have to teach your cells that they're an adrenal cell or a brain cell or a muscle cell or a bone cell. I mean, they know what kind of cell they are, and they know how to do their job, all these things. So our job is to uncover obstacles to that natural state of being. Sometimes those obstacles, you don't find them on lab work. They're in the mind and emotions of the person. You know, so that's another big part of FDN is that we study coaching skills. We study motivation. And again, getting to the obstacles, the healing that have nothing to do with their saliva, urine, or blood, or stool. You know, it's in their head. And so getting into people's heads is really important. So our system is fully includes stress reduction, the mental and emotional states of mind that people might be in. We're not psychologists. We're not diagnosing anything like psychiatrists. We're not providing any happy pills. Although supplements are part of our program, they're not. We just 
don't call them happy pills. So anyway, you get what I'm saying. And so that's where I start a lot of conversations. And other podcasts I've been on, it's pretty much all we talked about was what's in their head and how do you separate these things out. So I'll just add that that's also a part of healing is your state of mind, your attitude, if you will, and figuring out why it is a bad attitude if you have one. All right. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you just said. And where can people find out more about you? Where can people learn about you? You know, what I do as the founder of FDN is it's called Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. And you can simply go to fdntraining.com slash save my thyroid in honor of this podcast. So fdntraining.com slash save my thyroid is where I would go. All right. Well, Thank you so much, Reed, for sharing your expertise, your knowledge with regards to lab testing and going beyond that. I learned some things and I always love when I learn things from my guests. And, you know, I'm sure the listeners will learn a lot, too. Thank you very much. I hope people get something out of it that's useful. And I'm glad you did, Dr. Eric. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. That was a great interview with Reed as I really enjoyed chatting with him. He spoke about saliva testing You know, he said that he uses it for adrenals and sex hormones. And I used to use saliva testing for sex hormones. I use it still a lot for adrenals. And when I dealt with Gravesies, I did an adrenal saliva test. I can't say I use it as much. And rarely lately do I use it for hormone testing, for sex hormone testing. I do like the Dutch a lot when it comes to hormone testing. And I know what he was saying about the free state of the hormone in the saliva, which is true, but just find the Dutch gives a lot of great information. And I do find the metabolites to be helpful, especially the estrogen metabolism ratios when it comes to the Dutch test. So again, I don't recommend Dutch to everyone, but if someone wants a deeper dive into the sex hormones, then usually I do recommend Dutch testing. Now I did mention, we chatted a little bit about cycling hormone testing. And again, I think both Dutch testing and saliva testing could be good options for a cycling woman who wants to look at her hormones throughout the cycle. And one advantage of certain saliva tests is that they'll look at FSH and LH, where Dutch testing doesn't do that, although you could look at FSH and LH in the blood. Now, with the Dutch test, Reed said that Dutch uses saliva for cortisol, but that's not always the case. There are options. Like, yes, you could do a salivary cortisol test with the Dutch, but you could also use the dried urine testing. So a lot of times when I just recommend a Dutch complete, I'll just be looking at the circadian rhythm of cortisol using the dried urine. So they will collect four samples throughout the day and then also have an option of one in the middle of the night if they wake up in the middle of the night, but that is dried urine. So just wanted to clarify that you have the option of doing it with dried urine or saliva testing with the Dutch test. And then he brought up secretory IgA. And I'm glad that Reed brought this up because I also like this marker a lot. Uh, When I dealt with Graves' disease, this marker was depressed in me. It was very low. And then I 
made a lot of changes. Everything on my adrenal saliva test was low. My cortisol, my DHEA, my secretory IgA. And then a few months later, I did a retest. Cortisol looked a lot better. DHEA looked a lot better, but secretory IgA was still low. One of the big changes I made is I was eating paleo, but not AIP at the time, just because there wasn't AIP back in 2008, 2009. And so I gave up nuts because I was still eating nuts. And that really was the only change I made. And a few months later, I tested just the secretory IgA. I didn't do the entire panel, but I was able to just test the secretory IgA and it did improve. Stress could affect secretory IgA, which I believe Reed mentioned, but certain foods can as well. And then if it's elevated, I believe he also said that you're reacting to something which is true. Usually it's either a food or potentially an infection. And then when I asked him about food sensitivity testing, I honestly was surprised when he said that he uses mediator release testing. I did not know that. I listened to some of his previous interviews, but he didn't really dive into the food sensitivity testing. So I honestly was expecting to say the IgG testing, which would have been fine. You know, just a lot of practitioners use that. But yeah, I was impressed just because, uh, you know, I mentioned how I had an interview with Elizabeth Yarnell, and then I had another interview, which as I mentioned, I did the interview with her before I did the interview with Reed, but I did it for a book that's coming out. It's supposed to come out in March of 2023, so her interview will not come out until after Reed's. But yeah, just speaking with Elizabeth, she was the first one that really encouraged me to to start doing the mediator release testing. And I set up an account and did it on some people. And then I spoke with Dr. Anshul Gupta. And I think Cynthia Thurlow, I think she mentioned it briefly that she did that. She didn't get into detail, like Elizabeth Yarnell and Reed Davis and Anshul Gupta. That's something I sometimes will recommend, sometimes I don't, just because I've, over the years, just haven't been a big fan of food sensitivity testing. But after Elizabeth and Anshul Gupta, and again, now Reed Davis just really raved about mediator release testing. And, and it, you know, I guess also I get good results without this, but I might be able to get even better results and maybe quicker results. Obviously, it's another upfront expense, and it really is up to the person. Obviously, you know, Reed, it sounds like he takes the approach that he recommends certain tests, and if and like he recommends five tests, and if someone doesn't do all five tests, he doesn't want to work with them. And I get it. I understand. You know, he feels those are important tests. I guess I feel that just what my experience, and, and he admitted this too, we, we don't know which tests are necessary. Immediate release testing, he said it might not be necessary in every single person. We just don't know. And that's the thing. You know, I hate for someone to spend over a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars in testing when they might only need a few hundred dollars. And, you know, they could always do more testing later. Obviously, time is a factor as well, though. So ultimately, what I usually do is I leave it up to the person. So maybe I do need to be more stern about these things, but it's not like I don't bring up other tests. It's really just, you know, I bring up basic tests to people I work with. And then obviously if I really feel like they need other tests, like a comprehensive stool panel, I'll tell them to do the test. But a lot of times, even if I don't think that they necessarily will need it, I'll put it as an option on the email. Because yeah, I mean, the thing is with these tests, you just don't know. You can't always go by symptoms. But again, it's a lot of times we'll find answers with doing the conservative testing. So I feel a little guilty just 
forcing everybody to do comprehensive testing. But again, the mediator release testing, maybe I'll be a little bit more assertive and just at least provide a little bit more information because I think because I've had a negative <laughs> negative perception on food sensitivity testing over the years, that translates to some people I work with. And that's probably one reason why they don't do it. But again, this was a wonderful interview and and that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about. Hope you found it to be valuable. And again, look forward to catching you on the next one. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit savemythyroid.com forward slash liver support.